To be a good mayor, one must possess the ability to lead with excellence, confidence, and have a strong sense of morality. The mayor of a city should look down upon all of the crime in their municipality, and should furthermore work towards eradicating all of the crime that they possibly can. Apparently, the now former judge and mayor of Hot Springs, Arkansas didn't get the memo when in 1882, he attempted to shoot and kill the newspaper editor, Charles Matthews, all over the criticism of his lack of action towards the illegal gambling happening in the city. This is the story of the Hot Springs gangster era, the crime boss, Frank Flynn, as well as the events leading up to and the eventual assassination of Charles Matthews. Coming up, an unnatural acts in a natural state. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. A maniac. A raving thing. The cruel eyes studying you. There is a fifth dimension. Beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. We all go a little mad sometimes. This is Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. In the mid to late 1800s, illegal gambling ran rampant through the city of Hot Springs. Though Hot Springs, Arkansas is known mainly for the healing waters of the hot spring that the city's built upon, by the late 1870s, the illegal gambling industry had rivaled even the hot spring. During this time, a Canadian-born gambler named Frank Flynn moved to the city and by the early 1800s was in control of most of the gambling in the city, as well as many brothels. Though it was illegal and a felony under Arkansas law, the gambling underground was no secret to the local authorities. Police officers, judges, and even the mayor turned a blind eye to the industry, either because they were being paid off by one of the families or they were participating in the gaming themselves. Flynn was often called the, quote, boss gambler, and he either owned or controlled seven gambling houses. As well as this, he built up a gang of guys to do his bidding. Most of the time, though, the police would back him up, as well as his gang members. Anybody who dared to enter Hot Springs and attempt to open up a rival gambling house were dealt with by the police. Flynn was a full-on gangster, a true-to-life crime boss who would do anything to stay at the top of the heap. To put this in perspective, at one point, a man named Jim Lane moved to Hot Springs from Illinois and opened up two high-end gambling halls, one named The Monarch and the other named The Palace. Flynn, being the quote, boss gambler, felt entitled to a percentage of Jim Lane's cash flow in return for Flynn to quote, allow Lane to operate in his territory. When Lane refused to align with Flynn or pay a tax to him, Flynn, along with several other men, attacked and wrecked the Palace Casino. During the attack, one of Lane's dealers even killed one of Flynn's thugs. This was understandably enough to shake Jim Lane, and it actually drove him out of Hot Springs. After this happened, he fled to New Orleans, Louisiana. All of Flynn's actions were pardoned by the Hot Springs Police Department. I mean, why would they do anything about it? They were being well paid off and they were, after all, in on the action too. Not to mention, if that's what happened to someone moving in on Boss Gambler's territory, what would happen to someone ratting him out? By the summer of 1882, many people were tired of the illegal gambling and the crime it brought to the city. Hot Springs up until this point was a place of healing. 
The waters once thought to be genuine medicine and even a gift from God. The citizens of Hot Springs were furious that their once safe and well-respected city had gone to a place of healing to a place of corruption. One of these people was Charles Matthews, the editor of the Hot Springs Daily Hornet, who raged against the gambling mayor, T.F. Lind, for doing nothing to stop it. Charles Matthews was incredibly critical of the mayor. It seemed like every newspaper that came out Charles had something new to say about the character of their city's leader. One day, Mayor Lind, who, by the way, was also serving as judge, was walking down the street enjoying his time in the spa city. His leisure time came to a halt when he met Charles Matthews on the street. This man for months had been harshly criticizing the mayor and was now standing face to face with him. Overwhelmed by his anger, the mayor, yeah, you heard that right, the mayor pulled out a gun and shot Charles Matthews. Lind shot and wounded Matthews three times, as well as wounding a peddler and a city councilman who were in the line of fire. This, to me, really drives home the amount of violence and corruption in Hot Springs at the time. Lind, being the mayor and a judge, an emblem of fairness, had incited violence upon the streets of the Spa City. Not only because of somebody criticizing his work, he's a politician. If you're not willing to be criticized, you shouldn't be a politician. But he also shot a street salesman and a city councilman. Incredibly, but not surprisingly, the mayor was neither charged nor removed from office after the incident. Also, despite being shot three times, Charles Matthews survived. And as soon as he got back to work, he immediately went right back to criticizing the mayor and with a ferocity that he hadn't had before. Can you blame him? The dude literally shot him. Not only was the mayor refusing to take action against the violence and crime in the city, but he was taking part in it. And Charles was gonna tell everyone. He wasn't only critical of the mayor though. Pretty much anybody who was gambling illegally and bringing crime into the city was under fire by the newspaper. Two of these people of interest included the wealthy and powerful Samuel Fordyce and his partner, DC Rugg, who owned an interest in the Arlington Hotel and its gambling club. Samuel Fordyce is most well known in Hot Springs for having owned the biggest bathhouse there, the Fordyce bathhouse. It's still there. In fact, a lot of the buildings that I talk about are still in Hot Springs. If you, if you visit, you can go down Bathhouse Row or anywhere else and see them. Matthews ran an article that claimed that three of them, Flynn, Fordyce, and Rugg, were all crime bosses in cahoots, and he labeled them the Arlington Trio, named after their gambling ring in the Arlington Hotel. After this article ran, the three of them approached Matthews on the street. Samuel Fordyce struck Matthews in the head with his cane, presumably to knock him unconscious to pull him somewhere more private. Being undisturbed by this, Charles defended himself by pulling a gun and firing, missing Fordyce. That's right, Matthew carries a strap now. You would too if the mayor freaking shot you. So now the Arlington Trio is attacking him. It was at this point that Rugg pulled a gun and Matthews fired again, hitting Rugg in the leg. Matthews, who was wounded, was able to retreat down the street, but he was followed by crime boss Frank Flynn. And it was Flynn who fired the final shot into Charles Matthews, killing him in broad daylight. Now, do you remember what happened to Jim Lane, the man who had his casino wrecked by Flynn earlier? Well, he actually traveled to New Orleans with a purpose, to seek out the former Confederate Army Major Samuel Alexander Doran. Here's something you should know about Major Doran. He was mean. An avid gambler, he was known for cheating and wasn't afraid to pull a gun on anybody who confronted him about it. He rarely passed through a town without having any sort of confrontation, often ending with him shooting and killing someone. He was crooked, violent, and volatile, and the perfect person to resist any amount of intimidation from the Flynn Gang. See, Major Doran already had a history with gambling in Arkansas. In the late 1870s, he and a couple of his associates put together a gambling operation in Malvern, Arkansas, after more than a few murders and run-ins with the police. 
Malvern, being a layover spot for stagecoach travelers to Hot Springs, was the perfect place to scam wealthy people who often carried plenty of money for themselves. The three, Doran and his associates, would play crooked games with them. Dice, three-card Monty, and other games that are easy to load. These games often got out of hand. One instance of this, when Doran's associates pulled shotguns on a couple of gamblers trying to refund $150, gained the attention of Augustus Hill Garland, who was the governor of Arkansas at the time. Garland called upon his troubleshooter, Robert C. Newton, and ordered him to clean out Doran and his gang, no matter how much force was necessary. Newton, being an ex-Confederate officer, came with two other men, J.B. Bull, a general, and Gabe Jones, a Little Rock detective. In 1875, they went to Malvern and ordered Doran and his gang to leave town. I don't see how you can compel us to leave, Doran said. Newton, though, with full confidence, responded with, In this instance, I represent the state of Arkansas, and the question of your remaining turns on whether you can successfully deny the whole military and civil power of the state government, which will be invoked if necessary, and if you and your gang are still in Malvern 24 hours from now. Newton reminded Doran that a wire to the governor would bring a hundred armed militiamen. Doran's face fell solemn, but then he smiled and bowed. General, he said, you're too strong for me. I'll go in the required time. Talk about taking a fall with grace. After this, Doran fled to Texas and then Oklahoma. And then, after killing more than a few people, and maybe having something to do with the disappearance of a key eyewitness to his trial, it's a long story. He was let off without any further prosecution. This led to him leaving for Louisiana to continue drinking, gambling, and fighting. Doran was troubled. When Lane initially left Hot Springs, he went back home to New York. Despite this, he still kept in contact with his wife, who was a prominent brothel madam in Hot Springs. She kept him in the loop about the goings-on in the city. See, like I mentioned earlier, Several people in town were tired of Flynn and his corruption of the city. Several business owners put together a money pool of $6,000 to find and hire someone meaner and tougher than Flynn to bring his reign to an end. So when Jim Lane met up with him in New Orleans, he knew that if there was anybody who would be able to stand up to the Flynn gang, it would be Major Doran. Though Doran was six foot three and weighed 220 pounds, with broad and square shoulders, his large appearance and violent reputation didn't take away from his actually gentlemanly manners. When Jim Lane offered him the money pool of $6,000 to move to Spa City and rival Flynn, Doran, being a man who owed plenty of debts and loved money, gambling, and violence, happily obliged. In the fall of 1883, Major Doran was on his way to Hot Springs, prepared for a fight with the Arlington Trio. Unnatural Axe will be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey man, do you have automotive problems? You gotta stop by Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. You know, the building with the wing mural on the side. Mike and Sarah Slay, that's right, their name is Slay. They're your go-to guys for all your automotive repair needs. Mike, a Texas transplant, started working on cars in 1970 in his dad's shop when he was only seven years old. He rebuilt his first motor when he was only 12. But just because he grew up in his dad's shop in Texas doesn't mean he doesn't know Mina. He's been coming here for years since he was a kid. Mike and Sarah Slay love Mina and the wonderful community here, and they're ready to work for you. He's an ASE certified master, senior L1 advanced level service technician. Now, I don't know what that means myself, but I think it means my man knows his stuff. They do everything from classic cars to modern cars, heavy equipment like tractors to small engines. If you can drive it, they can fix it. He also does stuff like AC and heating, electrical work, and even rebuilds carburetors, which nobody in Mina does. And he does it well, man. Man, are you tired of that six-week waiting time you got with other shops? 
Mike's Auto and Diesel does it in a day. So get on over there to Mike's Auto and Diesel at 918 Highway 71 South here in Mina. The shop with that big jacked up car in the front and the angel wing mural on the side of the building. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. Again, that's 479-234-9513. Check them out on Facebook at Mike's Auto and Diesel. And ask them about their Dogecoin and cryptocurrency. Man, they're crazy about that stuff. Mike's Auto and Diesel. They slay the competition. Eh? Hey, you see what I did there? Because their last name is Slay? I thought it was funny. Anyway, now back to the show. Upon moving to Hot Springs with his two also-violent associates, Dave and Bob Pruitt, Doran reopened Lane's Monarch and Palace Casino, the same one that, only a few years prior, Flynn's gang had wrecked, even killing one of his staff members. When Flynn heard about this, he was immediately perturbed, as he knew Doran by reputation and had actually met him some years ago in East Texas. Knowing that he wouldn't be able to push him around, Flynn opted to rather give Doran an offer, drop the idea of opening Lane's houses, and he would stake Doran in any hot springs business venture of his choosing. Doran was unmoved by this and still wasn't intimidated when he was approached by Flynn and his gang when they had demanded him pay a tax for the right to own a casino in town. Just the same as Jim Lane, he refused to pay them. Frank Flynn knew that this meant war, and for Doran, being a man of violence and a retired Civil War major, war was a way of life. Frank, knowing he would need help against a man of stature such as Doran, recruited the help of his two brothers, Billy and Jack, and brought in three gunmen from Texas. Doran, in response, brought in some reinforcements of his own, being four additional gunmen, all with the same history of violence as Doran and his cohorts. The citizens of Hot Springs were concerned, and they were concerned before, but now Spa City had become a corrupt town, controlled by two factions of illegal gamblers, both of them volatile and ready for war. Flynn, of course knowing the history of Doran, was scared. I mean, you would be too if someone put a hit out for the most violent member of the former Confederate Army to kill you. So, in the interest of ending things quickly, Flynn actually challenged him to a duel, one-on-one. -on -one. This made Doran excited, so he immediately went looking for him and found him on Central Avenue in downtown Hot Springs. Now, Doran was much more experienced than Flynn as far as gunfighting goes, so while Flynn shot once, Doran pulled his gun first and got three shots out. Flynn, knowing he was outmatched, wore chainmail under his coat in an effort to cheat his way into winning the duel. While both of them survived the duel, Flynn was seen for days afterward coughing up blood, and Doran was unhurt. Flynn knew that he was standing in the ring with a true-to-life monster. Imagine being Flynn here. He tries to cheat, sure that he's going to beat Major Doran in a gunfight. He's wearing chainmail and he still loses. That's the kind of guy Major Doran is. Now, obviously, given the opportunity between running Flynn out of town and killing him, Doran would rather just kill him, and Flynn knew this. So Flynn thought, why don't you just kill him first? That would make sense, right? Flynn knew that he ate his lunch and dinner every day at the Arlington Hotel, which was just right across the street from the palace, which Doran was now running. So, Frank Flynn rented a second floor front room at the hotel for himself and two of his gunmen. He and his goons set up a sniper's nest in that room housing two Winchester rifles and a shotgun. And there, they waited for Major Doran to walk out for his meal. But Doran became suspicious for whatever reason and never actually showed up for his meal at the Arlington. Flynn later denied a maid entry to their room and she even reported the incident to the hotel manager. When the manager checked and discovered the heavily armed trio, he ordered them to leave his hotel, threatening to summon the police chief. 
Flynn and his gang literally planned on assassinating Doran, sniping him from a hotel room, and boy did the word spread rapidly of his attempted ambush and public opinion, which had been heavily in favor of Flynn considering Doran's reputation, now switched in favor of Doran. Major Doran was taking Flynn's town away from him. Jim Lane, after this, appeared back in Hot Springs and met with Doran to devise a plan. Lane pointed out that the gambling houses were losing money because of the public fear that a gunfight could break out at any moment, which was a fair concern given the history surrounding the gangs. Lane proposed the two of them create the appearance that they were selling out and leaving town. If Flynn believed that the two were out of his hair, he might lower his guard and let someone else operate the gambling clubs. At that point, Doran could easily slip in and get rid of Frank Flynn once and for all. Lane issued a paper transfer of the palace title to Doran's associate, Dave Pruitt, and he and Lane left town, going back to New Orleans. Flynn, suspicious, had one of his associates follow the two and keep an eye on them. After a couple of weeks, Flynn had relaxed and really believed that he had bested the two. However, his associate had informed him by telegram that Doran had hopped on an Arkansas-bound train and was probably on his way to kill him. Frank, in a panic, assembled six gunmen members of his gang, and he, along with his armed men, left town in two buggies. They boarded an eastbound train in Malvern, the transfer point for Doran's train. When they arrived, the men found out that the Major's train was running late. Flynn placed one of his men on a train to Arkadelphia, instructing him to board the northbound train and find out which coach Doran was in so that he could point it out once the train reached Malvern. Fortunately for Doran, a friend of his, which is believed to be the owner of the Al Saloon, had spied Flynn and his men slipping out of Hot Springs and correctly guessed their bad intention. Doran's friend sent a telegram to him in care of the station at Prescott, Arkansas, which read, you may want to avoid planned reception at Malvern. Doran, with a stroke of luck, was not seen by the man that Flynn had dispatched to intercept him. While Frank Flynn and his men searched for Doran at the train station in Malvern where he was scheduled to arrive, the mayor heeded his friend's warning and instead hired a buggy driver in Arkadelphia through the mountains to Hot Springs, under the radar of the boss gambler and his gang. Frank Flynn's surprise attack had failed, and now it was Doran's turn. So, on a cold February morning in 1884, Frank and his two brothers left their office in a closed hack buggy. They were headed home after a busy all-nighter at the club. As the hack passed the Owl Saloon on the west side of the street, seven men filled the double doors and the second floor gallery. At a signal, Doran and his six hired gunmen opened up a murderous rain of fire. Rifle bullets, buckshot, and slugs tore through the thin wood and fabric and into the cabin of the buggy. Jack Flynn, one of Frank's brothers, died instantaneously when a bullet went through the back of his skull and another through his chest. Frank himself had been shot in the thigh. When the buggy had rolled to a stop, the remaining two brothers rolled out of the buggy and returned fire towards the Doran gang, who had now emerged from the Owl Saloon and were opening fire at Flynn and his brother. There were so many bullets flying that even a couple of pedestrians got hit one dying as a result of it. Billy Flynn emptied his revolver at their assailants and ran for the safety of the bank on the west side of the street. Shot through the chest, he fell at the gutter's edge. Frank, also running out of ammunition in his revolver, reached into the buggy and pulled out his Winchester rifle. He then sprinted for the stairway entrance to the Ozark Club, taking a bullet to one of his hands on his way there. Reaching the stairwell, the boss gambler knelt and, despite his wounded hand, levered shot after shot at the Doran gang. For several minutes, the shootout would continue until finally, the young chief of police carrying a double-barreled shotgun and a revolver shouted out, I command you to stop. I'll kill the next man that fires a shot. Now drop those guns. You are all under arrest. 
Amazingly, the men took him seriously. The gang members all dropped their guns and the officers arrested Doran and his gang. Billy Flynn, who was still alive beside the gutter with a chest wound, was taken by pedestrians to Frank Flynn's home to be cared for. He would go on to survive the wound and had a doctor care for Frank's wounds. The chief then arrested the boss gambler and rounded up his gang. The shootout was disturbing to both citizens and visitors alike. Hundreds of visitors checked out of their hotels and boarded trains to leave Hot Springs. The citizens were tired of crime running their city. So, a committee of 12 formed later on that very same evening, which would soon develop into a 70-man militia with the sole intent of ridding Spa City of every crook, criminal, and gambler, either peaceably or by force. They were, in the end, successful. All of the illegal gambling in town had been eradicated and Boss Gambler and his brother left, moving to Little Rock. Now, you may be wondering, how could they have left to Little Rock after all of the violence and criminal activity that had occurred over the past decade or so? Well, the officials were so tied up in the crime that they literally just called everything even and let everybody off. No convictions. In the end, I guess you could say that Jim Lane had won. Though he couldn't open up his gambling club, he had succeeded by bringing down Frank Flynn, the boss gambler. Now, though everybody involved in the Spa City Underground had fled shortly after the trial, the Major hung around Hot Springs for a couple of years, continuing to cook up trouble. We can't forget who Major Dorn was. That is, until meeting his doom in Fort Smith, shot and killed to death. You know, on second thought, maybe the real winner here was Charles Matthews, the editor of the newspaper who was killed by Flynn. He had gotten what he wanted. All illegal gambling in Hot Springs had been eradicated, and Frank Flynn, the crime boss of Spa City, had fallen. Hey, thanks for listening to Unnatural Acts in the Natural State. Be sure to follow us in other awesome shows on Facebook, Instagram, MySpace, well, probably not in MySpace. But check us out. We're the Washita Podcast. That's podcast plural. Also, be sure to check out the other amazing shows at thewashitapodcast.com. That's again, podcast plural. With an S. At the end of it. Someone should really look into that MySpace thing. Brought to you by Mike's Auto and Diesel. Give them a call at 479-234-9513. For research for this episode, I used hotsprings.org, legendsofamerica.com, and a good old-fashioned Wikipedia search. Links for my sources are in the description. Script written by and all audio production by myself, Trey Youngdahl. Check out my website, treyyoungdahl.com. That's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L.com. Follow me on Facebook at treyyoungdahl.com. Again, that's T-R-E-Y-Y-O-U-N-G-D-A-H-L. Keep the shameless plug going by following me on Instagram at youngish.tray. That's Y-O-U-N-G-I-S-H dot tray. Thanks for listening, and remember to stay safe and stay spooky.